Hello and welcome to the podcast. Um, your name is Michelle Wiseman, as I understand. Uh, do you just want to um, discuss what you do and why you're here? Okay, well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. Um, I'm the Chief Executive of Manchester Jewish Community Care, which runs the Nicky Alliance Community Centre based on Middleton Road. Um, we primarily look after and care for older members of the community, those who have a disability, might have dementia, just lonely, isolated, uh, just want to make friends, or those who need a high level of care, maybe bathing or have mobility issues moving around the centre or to give their family members, their spouses, some respite so they can go out and do what they need to do during the day and then know that their loved ones are safe and secure with us being fed, having a range of stimulating activities, having their feet done in our podiatry centre, having their hair done in our hairdressing salon, maybe buying things they need in the convenience shop, having a bath in our bathing service. And Sounds like you've, got, you've basically made a whole neighbourhood for that. We have. We call it a spa day um, because you can come and literally be pampered from head to toe. So you can come and have your hair done, your feet done, your nails done, and then have a, a fabulous um, three-course kosher lunch. Um, we contract out with uh, Michal Isler from the JS, so he does our catering. We run the kitchens and he provides the staff and the food and the expertise, um, knowing what people want. And basically, it's when we first got together, we sort of based the menus around his best sellers in the restaurant for the age who come to the Nikki. So he said, I know exactly what meals you want, Michelle, because I sell them to your, to your uh, members in my restaurant. So that's how we work around the menu. And we have tweaked it slightly since then. Um, but yes, it's, uh, it's 12 years now we've been working together and it's been a very successful partnership. So was it? Is a spa day every day or is it once a week? And, uh... Right. Well, no, we're open Monday to Thursday. Um, we have our own minibuses, so we have two minibuses. Sure everything to have yeah, the whole so, neighbourhood. Yeah, so people, we do travel in about five, six mile radius because otherwise people are on the bus too long and they, they complain so, and it's not comfortable for them. Um, so some members bring themselves in still, some still drive, their family will bring them in, their carers will bring them in, or some who don't want to come in on the bus will just get a taxi in. So you basically provide, what's the main things you feel that helps old people as it that gives them a community I was just really interested to see how it helps them um I think it's that sense yes of community socialization um because during lockdown initially we had to close for 14 months and before we reopened I went out to chat to everybody those who would see me either in their home or in the garden and they were just saying we really miss the socialising, we've forgotten how to socialise in a way because we've not spoken to anybody properly for 14 months or maybe it was the neighbour or family member and um, so they really miss that that socialising um, and also just all the stimulating activities that we offer because we're, we're not a day centre that just offers bingo, we, in fact we don't even do bingo. Um, we've got a reminiscence room where we do reminiscence, we have a discussion group that sometimes gets quite heated even though we try and stay off politics, religion and football. That's <laughs> <laughs> and after that, yes, it's, it's difficult. Um, but they sort of creep in, especially yeah, on Monday Of course, they, they, you, can't, you can't keep those and, uh, out. 
<laughs> when there's been very exciting football at the weekend. Um, so, but seriously, we do have uh, discussion groups. We try and get some of our members to lead those as well, just that so they become more involved in the activities we offer. Um, we have entertainment. We have um, singers who come in. We do quizzes. We have exercise again. It's a lot of pe- thing that people miss during lockdown because. You know yourself, you know, you could have a, an exercise bike at home, but you probably wouldn't use it. If you went to the gym, you'd probably use it. Yeah. Yeah. So they really, you need that encouragement. So uh, so we do Tai Chi, we do yoga, and we do armchair keep fit. So those three activities were, a lot of people said that that's what they really missed during lockdown. The um, As much as they tried to get up and do some of it, it wasn't the same. Um, so, so that was what... So that was what they really missed. So I think that's really important, the exercising, the stimulation. And um, we have a computer suite as well where we've got about... Do you need help? Because it seems like you came from them a whole village. Is it, is it only for like, is it for any old, uh, like, not old, but any older person? Or yeah, is it anybody, for anyone with a disability? Or yeah, anybody can come along who feels that... We ask people to come for the day, but some people it's too much to commit for the day because they, they can't get up early in the morning, they struggle so they to get up, them. or it's too tired for them you know a whole day from say half nine till three is very tiring so some people come for a session oh, okay. for the morning or the afternoon just to go in the art studio or to certain activity entertainer um or to do reminiscence or how, how many it sounds really really big from what you sound like. how many participants do you have it's just really, just really interesting uh, so we have overall we have about 80 members who come but some of them come more than once a week so some will come four days every day some will just come once a week or twice a week um, we obviously have a huge team of volunteers to help us with that oh, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a full scale charity yes it is yeah. why didn't you, just out of interest why didn't you run out as a business because you can make can you make a lot of money as a business run with all these no. so as a charity we have we we actually lose money so we have an operational deficit um, of about £180,000 a year. And that's worth collecting money up as well. Yes, because we do fundraising, we do make a small charge for people to come in, but it's just like any a sort of care sector business it's very heavily labour intensive so our largest outgoings are our salaries for our staff although we don't have that many staff we still have still, to have a, a core yeah. staff and then of course the food food's expensive and as we know it's going up as well so everything's going up the petrol as well <laughs> yeah the fuel the fuel for the minibuses the servicing every everything the energy bills to run the the, the building you know uh, they're talking about doubling in energy bills, so that's going to go up. So everything, everything goes up. So um, do you spend a hundred? You spend one hundred eighty thousand a year. Or you, no, that's what we lose. We spend our actual costs are about six hundred and twenty thousand. So how do you lose a hundred? Do you? Do you oh, because you bring in four hundred. Yeah, we bring we bring that in through um, either through day centre receipts or or fundraising, um, so and how? we get a small number of grants from the local authority, but not many. So. Some years we're very lucky, fortunate we get a legacy, so the legacies carry us through. But you can't budget for a legacy because you don't know if it's coming or not. So if it comes, it's a nice surprise and it's really great. And if it doesn't, then we really have to be very prudent. No, because I'm just wondering, that 440, is that included with donations? Because if it is, how do you... 
managed to work with a uh, fifth of a million last yeah, year. Yeah, well, it is. It is with donations. But how do you so collect that 180? What happens to the rest of the 180 every year? Well, fortunately, we've been fortunate in the last few years that we have had um, that we've managed to have some legacies that that's propped that up. And also, two years ago, when we were threatened with closure, because we at the beginning of lockdown, we thought we just can't carry on for that reason because we've got the operational deficit and and lockdown as well we didn't know when we, you know every two months we say oh we'll open next month we'll open next month and it was like we'll open yeah. at Pesach we'll open at Rosh Hashanah we'll open at Hanukkah it's, it's terrible and, it was, and it was Shavuot you yeah. know the following of Shavuot when we opened so every, every Chag we think oh we'll open after that but uh, it was, was it just, just because you didn't have enough money no, because of lockdown, because oh, okay. it, because we were in lockdown and you couldn't we couldn't open up because of lockdown. So we opened up as soon as we could, as soon as we were allowed to. You you could have more groups together, um, then then we opened up. So we had a large crowd um, funding event two years ago where we managed to raise um, an amazing half a million pounds. So it was match funded. So we raised two hundred fifty thousand pounds through the community and then one of our um, benefactors match funded. What? Mm-hmm. For two hundred and fifty. That's amazing. Pounds. Usually, yeah. usually you need to get five, six, or at least five or six. Yeah. So we did fund. really, really well. So that was that has really propped us up, so to speak. So if you just nudge him every year and say, "Can you pass us an extra two hundred grand?" So that was amazing because we really thought two years ago. In fact, it's two years ago in July that we held the campaign. That I really thought we were going to have to close our doors. And why why do you want to do this? What's What's well, the reason behind it? Because it's not a usual charity most people do. No, but it's Did you, that's you the problem, it, right? I didn't start it. Oh, didn't. No, it was started. Um, I'll, tell, I'll tell you a bit about the history. So it was founded in 1951 as the Jewish Blind Society, people who were visually impaired in a very old Victorian house down in Cheatham Hill, and then it moved to um, the house where the, the Nikki is now, um, uh, and it was the Louis Glancy House. And then in 1987, it was demolished. The house and the purpose-built day centre today that we see is is where it is now and one of the main benefactors at the time was and he is still one of our main was Nigel Alliance and he named it Nicky his son was visually impaired sadly he uh, he passed away last year and um, but he named it in his honour and um, because he was visually impaired and had learning disabilities and he wanted somewhere for him to go so he put in a, a huge amount for the centre so it was built so I've been the chief ex- so Naj is now our life president and I've been the chief executive there for nearly 20 years so so why did I want to keep it going because it's such an important part of the community and in fact it was I mean, I knew how important it was. I know how much everybody enjoys it. Everybody says to me when they go home, I speak to each and every person before they go home in the afternoon. And, they, and I always say, have you had a nice day? And they always say, yes, why wouldn't I? It's great. And, you know, we did this and I like that. And I mean, they're all critics. You know, if the food's not 100%, they'll tell me. If the singer sings off key, then they'll tell me. But on the whole, they everybody... Have if they say fun. that to you, the minute they're being exactly. paying attention. And the fact that they can still notice that and, you yeah. know, and, and prepare to say that, and feel confident and comfortable saying that is great so it was just but it's just a community it's so warm and vibrant and it we create it as a, a family atmosphere i'm just wondering because it sounds absolutely amazing and i don't really hear many people that do this usually people say and I, i'm included in this let's do stuff for the youth and make that because of the future and people really I, as far as i see and i'm sure um, you might back me up on this a lot of them probably neglect they do very much so and it and it comes to when we do grant fundraising from trust funds a lot of them will 
fund, yes, young, and I'm not saying that's wrong at all. Um, you know, yes, the youth are our future, and we have to look at it. And sadly, there's so much out there now, especially mental health issues and loneliness, and, and with everything that's going on, and lockdown and COVID has exacerbated those issues. I feel. Um, but it is important to remember to look after our elderly people. They, you know, it's because most of them you've got to remember, are, are, you know, we've got many who were um, members of AJEX, the Association of Jewish Act Servicemen, and you sort of think if it wasn't, you know, for them, we wouldn't be here. Um, we also have, sadly, not as many, but we do have some survivors, you know, and, and we've sort of, and, and they've been, I mean, everyone's got, I'm sure you've heard, a different story, a different life story. It's frightening to hear And it's story, just yeah. so, you know, you've got to I don't, admire them, respect them. You know, they're just incredible, incredible. And you think, yeah, we're here to give you the best quality of life we can for the rest of your life, you know, and that's and that's what I feel we do. And also the NICI itself, the centre, we, we've got other charities who've got offices in there. Um, so that's important. We let other organisations come and use the centre for events. So it's sort of a, it's not just a day centre, it's a community centre and we try and embrace that. And when it's not being used in the evenings or on a Sunday, then we try and you know, encourage other groups to do it. We spent quite a lot of money um, doing up the dining room during lockdown. So you're so trying to make it into a hub. Yeah. Well, not just a Nicky Lounge, but no. you're trying to make it a hub yeah, for all. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And then people have simchas there, we've had bar mitzvahs and you know, everything so we want to make it yeah more of a centre because there is nowhere else like it and once Mamlot House shut down and then there was Levi House there really isn't so you're there you in know, Manchester mm-hmm. yeah there really isn't anywhere like it I mean I know we've got Maccabi Sports and Community Centre but they're mm-hmm. focusing on different different angles whereas yeah. we're unique and when we were thinking you know when we thought we might have to close last year I can't tell you the number of people who got in touch with me and said Michelle, you can't let it close. You no, know. what about yourself? Because obviously you've been... You, yeah, well, me, it was just, I was just heartbroken. You know, I, I was working six days a week to try and, and, and save, you know, and, and, and do this, motivate people, get the teams, do the fundraising. Yeah, I mean, I was just devastated, really. I was just thinking... I didn't want to be the one on my watch to let it to let it close. I just thought I just can't do that. Everybody, including me, has put too much. You know, we've invested too much in it. Um, and and just talking to people when they were upset when we when we had to close, because we shut the week before the national lockdown because we knew already on the seventeenth of March that things weren't good and that we just people weren't coming in. They were scared. They were frightened. You know, I mean, I remember talking to one lady and she said, you know, at least in the Second World War, you knew when the bomb was coming, you had an, a siren, a warning. With COVID, it's the silent killer, wasn't it? You had yeah. no warning. You didn't know if the person next to you had COVID, they'd give it to you. And, you know, and God forbid you passed, you know, you just didn't know. So they said, you know, they were more scared in a way than they were in, in the war. Because in the war, they said, well, we had air raid shelters. We knew when the bombs not saying that sadly that there were bombs and blips in Manchester and but you know at least they knew it was it was going to happen so we knew then that we had to close because and the staff were were wary about coming in so we've got to look after everybody we've got to look after our members obviously they're a priority but our volunteers are very important our staff are very important everybody is equally important and we had to look after them as well
Yeah, uh, you keep circling back to uh, COVID and obviously shutting down everything like that. Yeah. Was there no online Zoom maybe things that you could have put on for the? Yeah, the we people? did. Yes, we managed to get some. Uh, we got some activity packs which uh, Manchester City Council were doing. We made sure that every single person was phoned twice a week. So either staff or volunteers would phone everybody to make sure they were all right. Obviously, the number of meals on wheels that went out tripled because a lot of people come in, have their main meal at lunchtime. So we sent out meals to them. Um, I also managed to get um, some funding and some donated for iPads and um, laptops. The only problem was at the very beginning, nobody could go in to show them what to do because <laughs> nobody could go in, even their family members. Because you've got to remember that we had some of our members are in their 80s and 90s. Their children, <laughs> yeah, they don't know how to use them. But also, their children were in the 60s and 70s with themselves yeah. shielding. <laughs> so, you know, it was sort of their grandchildren that needed to go in and show them what to do. And, and that wasn't always possible. And then they were wary about. You know, at the time, you couldn't go to your grand. So we did do that. We did keep in touch with everybody on the phone. And as I said, we made sure everybody got two calls a week to check they were all right, because that was very important. That contact was so important, because you'd ring them up and they'd say, I've not spoken to anyone for two or three days until you've called. Um, and that continuity. And we sure did... that, that they weren't similarly and they weren't depressed. Well, it didn't stop them from being depressed, yeah. but it helped them. Well, just somewhere. that, to know that somebody's thinking about them and caring about them, because shutting them up in their home is the absolute opposite of what the centre's for. We're there to alleviate loneliness and isolation. Is there any other way that the government could have changed it to help you, or is that then? I don't think so. No, I think I think what they did was right. I, don't, I think you had to keep people shielded, because... As I said, you just didn't at that Especially time. At that age, yeah. yeah, at that age, there wasn't the drugs weren't available at the very beginning. The testing wasn't available, so you didn't know. You know now. I mean, we're still testing now twice a week. All the um, all the staff and volunteers, but you didn't know if somebody had COVID or not. Really, it just, it just wasn't just wasn't available. So, um, and as I said, the drugs are better now. They, you know, the, at the beginning, if you were very bad, you were put on oxygen or a, a ventilator, but I think they've stopped some of that now. Um, and it's just, so it was very difficult. We did, those who had um, mobile phone, which a lot of people have with WhatsApp, we did quizzes on WhatsApp. So we did a WhatsApp quiz. So everybody did sort of, you know, sort of join that. Yeah, so that was something to do. So we did that once a week, and that people appreciated that. And then if somebody wasn't didn't sign in, you think, oh, are they all right? So you phone them up after and say, why didn't you join the quiz? Oh no, I was fell asleep or you know whatever. So, but yeah, it was very it was very important. And just, just uh, yeah, just wondering, just circling back, uh, asked you a question, I really interrupted, but uh, about your motivation to start because like for for me, for example. I feel very connected to the youth because I'm quite young. Yeah. Therefore, I'll throw a lot of projects for them. I'll, I'll, a lot of the stuff I do, that anti-bullying, anti-bullying project I told you just before we started, and that was that's because I feel feel towards it, and that's all about um, working with the education system to making that better for the youth. Is so there's some emotional connection. There's any emotional connection with you to why you you've already taken such a large step in trying to help the community with well the uh, the more old, older people. Um, well, I did have older parents myself. Sadly, they're no longer with us. Um, and I think I think a lot of us feel that you know we wanted to look after and treat our members how we would want our parents to be looked. And also, when we're 
you know, we're nearer their age than we're nearer your age. Um, so we sort of think, yeah, this is how we'd want to be looked after and treated. And as you said, you know, we've got to, you know, we should, you know, respect our elderly and look after them and care for them and not just... And also the other thing is that we have to remember that just because they're old, um, a lot of them were very bright, smart, intelligent business people, professionals, you know, we've got retired doctors and and uh, nurses, dentists, business owners, um, psychiatrists, optometrists, you know, the whole broad brush of, of professions that we have now with people in the 30s and 40s of just maybe not so many IT people, but have shifted to these people who are in their 80s and 90s. And most of them are still thank goodness, you know, are pretty sharp and intelligent. So we've got to remember just because they're old, because their body doesn't work from, say, the waist down, it certainly works from the neck up. You know, we've got to remember <laughs> yeah. that, you know, that they are it's very... It's the masterworks. Yeah, that the, the, <laughs> the brain... Yeah. yeah, thank God. You know, sadly, some have dementia, but on the whole, you know, they need that stimulation and they appreciate it. And that's, and that's what we've got to do. And that's what keeps them going. And it's been proven that... It, you know, we can slow down the onset of dementia and Alzheimer's by keeping people um, stimulated, making sure that they use their grey matter, learning, you know, we've got people in their 80s, 90s learning to use a computer, the families have bought them iPads, they'll bring them in, I mean, back in the day they used to Skype, I mean, I think that's sort of gone now, but it's all Zoom and FaceTime and, you know, that sort of face-to-face contact, we set them up email addresses, We've got, and we've got to remember the world's much smaller. That a lot of our members now have got children and grandchildren not round the corner in Presswich, but and not even in London. Israel, America, Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, you name it. They've got family there, so they want to keep in touch with them. So it is, it, it's important really that they're, that they're able to do that. Um, and likewise, we've got a few members who. Um, follow their children, they say you shouldn't follow your children, but they've retired, their children have moved to Manchester, they've met somebody, got married here, they might have come from a small town where at one time there might have been a Jewish community, but there no longer is or whatever, so they've moved here to be with their family, and they obviously don't know anybody their age, so they'll come to the NICI and they'll make friends and they form, you know, firm friendships and a lot of our members meet up if they can outside, you know, they'll go out for a meal or they'll just meet up for a coffee and and or go to the theatre and that's also just as important you know one lady joined the other week she's moved up from London she wants to play bridge so we've played a bit of bridge I've introduced her to other people who play bridge bridge group you know that she wouldn't have known where to start otherwise if she hadn't have come must be so hard watching someone settle in like that and yeah and change, you know, it changes her life yes it does change her life yeah so uh yeah so it's important and also a lot of um a lot but some people and um, because although we're a Jewish centre we don't judge anybody on their level of observance so long yeah. as they're happy the fact that we're a Jewish centre we keep casual and we celebrate or commemorate the Chagim obviously we're shut on the actual days but we do make sure that we acknowledge them and do something around them and um, then we're happy um, for that and um, and a lot of people are sort of gone away in life lived in not maybe not jewish areas or just 
whatever drifted away from their Judaism and once they got older they've come back to that and sort of thought I want to be back in in the fold in the comfort zone of being with Jewish people and Judaism and for example at Sukkot you know we always we put up a sukkah and we always get um, Arbanim and you know one or two have said to me the last time I went to Shul or Shuk Arbanim on Sukkot was with my father you know back in the day 50 60 years so it's all it's about very much what do you think about like, you accepting non like less religious members and as a, as a charity you want to help but from the community's perspective do you ever get anyone saying that you shouldn't or you saying looking down upon it because of that or it's all in good faith no 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 but no i've not had any of that no, that's really good, you yeah. know we have yes i mean we don't we, as i said we don't judge we don't go into their ketubah or which shul they belong to you know as long as they come to Absolutely. us and say they're jewish and we have had one or two non-jewish members who have jewish spouses and you know we're not going to split them up if they're happy in that environment and they probably know more people there than some of the you know so they're fine as long as they're happy and they're comfortable then then that's what we don't go out to um not encourage that's probably the bad wrong word but you know for non-jewish people to come because if social services ring up we will say we will be honest say no it's a jewish day center but if we've got somebody who wants to come or a spouse or a friend and they're comfortable then then yes we're there to look after them and to care for them how does the government deal with that to that you say you're only a jewish center do you claim money off the government no we get oh, okay, so, so we private. only get we only get a little bit of funding from berry at the moment now because we're on the we're in manchester but on the cusp of manchester berry and salford yeah. so we used to get funding because we used to have residents from manchester and salford who were funded but the very few manchester now is everybody's shifted into Bury and to Presswich and to some extent from Salford and they've moved the goalposts the local authorities for those who meet funding criteria so we so we only have a hand maybe eight people who come from Bury who are funded so I'm and just wondering because of that because uh, let's say for a school they say they're funded by the government they can't really turn down pupils no but for you if you're funded by the government can, yeah and let's say there's someone that's eligible for funding can you turn them down they would probably wouldn't be referred to us in the first place. Yes. But if they I know, were, would you be able to turn them down? Or, uh, just wondering, uh, just wondering the hypotheticals. It's always interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, we probably would, but we yeah. probably wouldn't. You yeah. know, we could, but we wouldn't. But you but we'd have to push them away in a we'd have to way. look. We'd have to look at each person on their own merit and the case and why that. Why would they want to come to a Jewish yeah. centre? You know that there's that as well, isn't there? So. Uh, yeah, which is fine and it is very friendly and so um but no we haven't got that criteria from but yeah, you know, like you said, the the Jewish schools when they get funding they have to if they've got empty spaces, they have to take a percentage of non Jewish. It's cause some hassle sometimes. So it's something like five percent or something, I think. Well that they have to Yeah, I think so. But don't quote me on that. Uh, don't worry, I don't <laughs> <laughs> But yes, it has caused some and especially, you know, some of the schools like King David in Liverpool, they've got more non-Jewish pupils than Jewish, I think, haven't they? But I think, but I think the school in Manchester, I think they are getting the numbers now. And I know in London, where my children live, the Jewish schools all oversubscribed, heavily oversubscribed. Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, but no. So we we used to we have got capacity for more members. We did used to have a um, waiting list on certain days, um, but we are we we do have availability for for more members, and we welcome new members very greatly, very much so. 
I think Aaron used to go to one of them, so we can uh, throw him there. Used <laughs> 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 um, so to. You meant that we mentioned before that um, society there's some people treat older people differently than should be. And um, what would you say? There's any particular issues people have with that, or I don't know, just around that topic. How could it? How could it be changed? Um, I think it's basically what I said before that you've got to remember, you've got to have respect for older people and remember that you know one day you'll be that person. And that, but that person one day was you in a way that you know that just because they're older and more frail or fragile and yes it is it can be sometimes you I suppose you do get you people do get frustrated you're out shopping for example and somebody's walking very slowly but you've got to think you know that could be me one day or or that person you don't know their life you don't know their history you don't know what's gone on in their lives some people have very tragic lives you know generally and it and you've got to you've got to appreciate that and you've got to respect older people and learn from them i think you've got to learn is it i mean people keep saying but is this is it that the youth um respect the elders less and less um i can't comment on that i don't think so i don't not the youth i've met no i think i don't think they do we we work very closely we do some intergenerational work with king david and um with barry whitefield and we get the the i mean okay they're in nursery but we get the choirs in to sing so we do get try and get the junior schools in and very much and king david fundrate do one of their you know charities is to fundraise for the nikki so i think i think it's it might be people might get that perspective that people, younger people don't respect older people, but I think on the whole, I've not come across that. Um, I think that young people have got a lot of respect for older people, um, and I think, and, and long may it continue, and I think so they should have, you know, just because... Definitely, um, yeah. yeah. because they are... They've achieved a lot. They've achieved a lot, and a lot of it, if it wasn't for them, as I said, probably wouldn't be here today or or enjoying enjoying the comforts and the life that we do you know so I think you've got to remember you know where where they've come from what they've done what they've achieved and yeah I mean we often have members who were say owned factories back in the day and then that somebody will come along to the to the to the as a member who used to work for them you know in the factory and uh, and and it's quite leveling quite a levelling experience really because you're there and you're sat next to your ex-boss it's scary, scary to think that yeah, but but like, in, when you're younger yeah. you've got different levels but then when you're yeah. older it's just like, it's it's stripped just all, back yeah it does all barriers all levels you know it's just all very level and, and you're all an equal on an equal plane aren't you so yeah very much so so yeah, I think that's a scary thought yeah <laughs> but yes you know you've got to remember that well, you know what they say, you've got to remember the people on the way up because you'll meet them on the way down. Oh, but yes, yeah. <laughs> it took me a second to get that. <laughs> it's true, though. It's you know, and it true. is, you know, and probably the same with older people, you know, that you've just got to, uh, yeah, very much so. So, yeah, so they are very... And they get, you know, they get on really well. And we've had... We've also had... Um, uh, we've had a few shidaks so people have got engaged that they've met there and got engaged and we've oh. also had yeah and uh, they said we're getting engaged we're not getting married okay that's fine um, and then uh, and then we've had siblings who've for whatever reason they've had a family fallout 
over the years as they, as they do and and they've come back they've met up not knowing because of that the they, yeah oh, not knowing they were it must coming. be the proudest moments it is not knowing their brother or sister were coming and then yeah they reform that friendship and that and then, you know and there's I remember one lady she's going oh he's my baby brother not seeing him for 40 and they might only live two miles down the road oh, wow. you know but they just and it and it's as I said, again, you're back to that levelling up, you know, that everybody's on the same level, the same plane, and in the same place, and they've become, you know, friends, yeah, yeah. Friendly, friends. Sit and chat, yeah. <laughs> friends, you know, and they're sort of, they become, you know, because he might have gone off, one of them, I think he went off and was a very successful businessman and whatever, and whatever, I don't know the issues, but now they're back at the Nicky, they're there, side by side, in the art room, in the dining room, in the lounge. That's what's one, th- it, what's one thing you've learned from just doing all of this? Because I say you said leveling, um, it's just le- levels you to, all to be an equal side. That's a really powerful lesson to take. Is there any other particular lesson you've learned from the work that you do, and that you could re- reflect onto younger people that, that listen, that could say, okay, that I don't know, just a lesson that you may have learned. Um. I just think it's very humbling, you know, being with older people, listening to their stories um, and listening to them. And I think it's just a matter of giving them time, give time and time to listen and talk to you and to explain. And, and because each and every person has got a very interesting life story, no two life stories are the same. And it's just very, you know, very interesting listening to them. And just, you know, that everybody's a proud, everybody's proud, aren't they? And they don't, they don't, they want to come to the Nikki for the social side and everything, but if they need that bit of care, then, then, in a way, their pride goes. And I think you've got to make restore that pride and say it doesn't matter, you know, if they have a, an accident, you know, whatever, you know. So it's fine. It doesn't matter. It happens. We'll clean you up, put new clothes on, go back and sit down and finish what you're doing. So I think it's just making it, give it, restoring that pride to everybody and making them no matter how um poorly they are or whatever help they need it's giving them it giving it to them respectfully making them feel wanted important which they are and giving them back their pride which they might have lost you know so that i think that's very important what did you do before this right before this we need to know your whole life story now you know, <laughs> Immediately before this, um, well, I joined the Nikki on the board because I did some fundraising consultancy. Um, so I came on the board of the Nikki as helping with the fundraising, and then I was asked to become the CEO when the previous CEO left. But immediately prior to that, I was actually doing something totally different. I was working in a business um, in an import and distribution. Totally the same. No. Yeah, totally <laughs> the same. Um, so that was where my sort of, I suppose, business organisational skills came in. But many years ago, I used to work actually at Jewish Social Services, which is now the Fed. So you, have, then, uh, you do have experience. Yes. Yeah. And then before that, I worked for a group of nursing homes. Um, I was the area manager's assistant, so I used to assist her. She, and um, some of them were two of them were brand new nursing homes so we went basically from having no staff from the recruitment from the cleaners right up to the to the matron and the administrator so what was your step up because obviously what you do right now is is not a, it's a low position you have to look over over half a million a year and that's yeah that's it. so what's the step what's the journey been from like from when you first started your first job all the way um, to here 
Now, journey has been just getting more involved in the community because I am um, the person who was the uh, the chairman at the time who asked me to join knew me through Whitefield Shaw because I was chair of the Ladies Guild there and I used to work with her on the Ladies Guild. So I was very involved in the community. So she knew me from all my voluntary work in the in White at Whitefield Shaw, which is where I lived at the time, um, and then all the gradually working for the different nursing homes and I work for Scope as well so it's just been a gradual incline then working then doing the fundraising doing fundraising consultancy and as I said working for a small business so got all the business and organisational skills from that and then transferring that to my to my role as uh, as the chief exec at, at the NICI so I am used to dealing with funding and budgets and buying and selling and negotiating and Importing, contracts and recruiting <laughs> and, and everything that it, it involves really um, so I have got that experience so it was a, it's a matter of pulling everything together um, at the time over 20 years work experience pulling it together um, to create that role so you slowly um, step up and stuff what, so when you first what's the, like, the background how did you the first job you took was was it in nursing no, no, no. So my very first job, I worked for, this is going back in the day. Oh, a long time. <laughs> it was something, the, uh, the government used to have something called training boards for different industries. Um, so I worked for the cotton training board. And basically, if you had a cotton, which there aren't many of now, business, you used to have to pay a levy to the government and that funded the training board. So I used to work for that, for the cotton training board. And then I moved on to work for accountancy firms in administration, really helping the manager. So those are a lot of typical admin. jobs. How yeah. did you get from that typical office? job to something something completely different to well it's sort of gradual to from so, this to, to like so, nursing so well I worked for a group of care homes so I went from being uh, from being um, I used to do an office job then I got an office job for somebody who worked who owned some care homes yeah. and then the lady who worked for him ran her, his care homes got another job um, managing a new group of care homes that they were building and she actually I was headhunted she actually contacted me and said would I come and work as her assistant so it was a gradual so then I worked as her assistant and she managed the group area of all the nursing homes and then when I left there then I went to work for Scope which was another charity and then I went to work for Jewish Social Services and that's when I learned all the fundraising so it's just been very gradual and then went to work for um, this small business but I've been at the NICI for over 20 years yeah so I've been there yes I joined in 2003 so I've been there nearly 20 years and I was on the board before that doing the fundraising so I've been involved with it for over about 22 years now so it was yeah it was quite a I could pull everything together um, to do that but I was also at the same time as becoming chief exec I was elected onto Bury Council to represent Pilkington Park Ward in Whitefield where I lived as a councillor so it was a very steep learning curve within a month I became the CEO and a councillor I just did. I think it's just a matter of being very organised. And in the middle of those two was Pesach. I called it the three P's, you know. So, um, politics, Pesach, and yeah. But anyway, but no, it was fine. Yes, I mean, it's just a matter of being very organised, which I think you have to be. Um, and there's lots of different strands to the role. Just, just on the point about politics, I'm very interested in politics. Do you think being as a, um, 
being a counsellor makes much of a difference. Can you, as your um, powers of a counsellor, can you make any difference in the community? Um, I'd like to think that I have made a difference, that I have helped people to so do various things. So how exactly does what you do, do, could you let go to, the, um, to Christian or to whoever, the local MP and say, I want this changed? Um, it's more sort of, the MP has some influence, but not a lot. But on a local level, it's more the council, the, the, the leader of the council and the councillors and whatever the issue was I mean I'm not going to go into individuals because of confidentiality but I have helped you know different people with planning applications telling them what to do how to do it the best way to go about things if they've had issues you know with their with parking and and so let's say someone someone called listening to this podcast said okay I need help for a certain thing but it's a business a charity they would contact you and you could you, you would go to the council yeah, they could contact that. I'm not a counsellor here anymore. I know, so I'm saying for yeah. where, where you but, are, they uh, would yeah, contact they could come you. To me. Yeah, they and did, you, yeah. You would go yeah. to the council and try, uh, because, yeah. just because you know the people there. Yes, yeah, so uh, you, okay. it's a matter of knowing who to contact. So being, no, I'm just wondering, is being the, the being a counsellor just basically, uh, more or less like saying, I want to help the community, yeah. and have got the, got the contacts to do so? Yeah. Uh, okay. and yeah, and I have been able to use that council... Um, when I was a counsellor and even now I'm not a counsellor I've still got contacts on Berry. still been able to do that to help some of my members if they've had issues local you know issues with housing or bins which very important and you know just small you know issues like that helping filling in forms for things then yeah I've been able to do that so I've been able to draw on that council experience to be able to do that to help people you could probably also help Nikki Lance at the same time through the council yeah, yeah hopefully yes and get people along and visit and you know high profile people to come and visit so are you interested in doing uh, politics for the, uh, at the same time was the interest in politics um, yeah it was like you said really to help involve to help the local community and if I had an issue I'd contact my local councillor and they probably weren't very effective and as you do you sit there and think well I could do better than that and then uh, and I remember thinking yeah maybe and then I thought no I'm too busy and then somebody contacted me through the Chul actually he's a member of Whitefield Chul and he said to me oh, I've seen your name on the list of members of the, member of the Conservative Party we're looking for local councillors was it David? Sorry? Was it David that contacted you? No, no, no. Yeah, this is going song. back a oh, okay. long time yeah. ago. Um, this is going back to 2002. Maybe someone else contacted me uh, a few months, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, like two, three months ago, asking me to run as well. All oh, right. Was that David Silbridge then? No, no. That's I actually met him as well. Right. Was David Cohen? I think his name was. All oh, right. Okay. But so. Yeah. It would, it would, that's the issue. I wasn't sure how much power or how much he can help. No, you can help. And you've got, it's a matter of building up good relationships and at what level you want to do it. So they contacted me and said, would I stand? And I went, well, why would they want me? And um, so anyway, so I went along and that was sort of how it gradually shifted along. And then I ended up being parliamentary candidate in 2010 and then I was the mayor of Berry as well. So it all sort of escalated from there, really. How's the experience as a mayor, Berry? Oh, it's amazing. That was really the best ever. I mean, because it's apolitical, so you've got no political agenda. And people want to see you. When I was a parliamentary candidate, everybody, if you said, 
oh, that piece of paper's white, they'd go, yeah, but why are you saying that? Whereas if you said as the mayor, that piece of paper's like, yeah, yeah, it is, it's a very nice piece of, would you like it? You know, sort of thing. So it's very, it's very, they're, they're, you've got no agenda. Um, and you were just able to go and meet groups. I mean, it's just, everybody so it's says immediate it. position? Sorry? Mainly a media position to meet people on. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's to, you chair the council meetings and it's to promote the borough and it's to promote local businesses, local charities, local voluntary groups, uh, to fundraise for the um, for the local community um, or your chosen charities or whatever. So it is very much, yes, it's, um, yeah, it's a ceremonial role, not an elected mayor, it's a ceremonial role. Um, but it, it, is a, it is an amazing thing to do. Um, and it was just great. And also it was, it, as a Jewish mayor, it meant things like at, at Hanukkah, I could invite Baron Whitefield, came into the mayor's parlour, lit the menorah, um, and at uh, so Rosh Hashanah, I sent out Rosh Hashanah greeting cards for everybody. So you can skew it, you know, how you want, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was an amazing, amazing year. Um, yeah, and just going to all the local, you know, the synagogues. I mean, I've been to most of them anyway, but just being invited as the mayor and then... Um, so yeah it was an amazing year um, and managed to go out to um, it was the 100th anniversary of the Battle of Gallipoli I don't know if you've heard of that over in Turkey yeah so we went out to Gallipoli it was, it was in 2000 it was in 1915 it was um, Winston Churchill was the Home Secretary and he's probably one of his not better moments when uh, they sent troops over to Gallipoli in Turkey and they were just ambushed and um, so many thousands were sadly killed on the first day of the war but then um, the Lancashire Fusiliers who's based Winston in Berry Winston Churchill sent them yeah I thought Paul Parshanton had nice ones in the church, we did wrong. So um, that was later. Um, this was in the early days. And uh, they won six um, Victorian crosses before dawn. That's what the famous four, six VCs before breakfast, um, which were on display at the Fusiliers Museum in Bury at one point. So It's quite interesting. I mean, uh, just regarding policy, I didn't know you had such a position in politics. Yeah. So, so now I live over in Fylde, as you know, and I'm back on Fylde Council. So it's very different, very different to uh, to Bury. Bury is very political, and we've got a clear opposition. Well, Bury um, Labour in control. Obviously, you've now got a lot of Radcliffe first um, councillors. You've got independents, and you've got the Conservatives. In Fylde, you don't have any Labour. It's just all Conservative or independent. Proper democracy. <laughs> so, uh, so it's very different, and it's it is political, but it's not po- as political. So, um, I do miss the political banter a bit. So, <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It does sound. Um, just, uh, I'm just wondering, should we finish off with the last question, Aaron? Um, yeah. Um, the last question is what we ask all the guests. It's what could you have done better? Oh. So looking over your career, obviously your career is not over, but what could you have done better in the past to improve yourself or the company? To improve myself or the Nikki? Or yourself. Um, <laughs> Go on. Um, I don't know, really. It's perfectly honest. I think... I think going back maybe to when I was young I probably could have done 
I should have paid more attention at school. I could have taken more advantage of the education I was offered at school. Um, but then again, would I have done this path and would it have led me to where I am now anyway? So I think it's important that you do have a good education and that you do put all your effort into it. But sometimes not everybody is pure academia um, and I think you've got to follow your strengths and follow your path that you're interested in, your interests. So maybe going back in the day, yeah, I could have done better at school. But I think work-wise, I think, and my career, I think, yeah, I could have done better. I could have won the general election in 2010, <laughs> you know, um, won in Bury South, beaten Ivan Lewis, but that wasn't to be. Um, but I put all my heart into it. And I always believe, I was saying um, the other day, actually, to, I was thanking somebody for something they'd done, and they'd say, oh, thank me when you get the results. And I'm going, no. When my children were young and they did exams, I always gave them a gift when they'd done the exam before they got the results because they couldn't, they'd already done their best effort. They couldn't influence the results. The results were what the results were, but it was the effort they put into it, which is what counted. And that's what I always, I still say to this day, and I said to this person, I'm gonna thank you now because the outcome, you've done all you can to get the outcome and that's beyond your control. So I think so. I think that's very important. So um, as far as the nick is concerned, at the moment, I think I've done. I saved it two years ago. I feel, and I think it's now a matter of it carrying forward and building on that, building on the the membership, building on more funding, um, and just long may it continue because I think it is a big asset into the community. Yeah, thanks so much for coming. Yeah.